I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I create today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. I'm quite shy, so it's funny, the first day that we had on set, and Elliot is the complete opposite. Give him a camera, give him a microphone, and he's like, blah, blah, all over it. (laughs) And I'm the polar opposite to that. And I remember our first day on set shooting our, like, our main masterclasses. That night I cried. I was just like, what have I done? I am so bad in front of a camera. I'm so awkward. Um... I don't know what I'm talking about. It's like I'm so good at my job, but I can't actually explain what I'm doing because I've never had to. It's kind of like you just do it and it's done. No one's ever asked me, why are you putting those shoes with that dress? And now I'm having to explain that and I found it really, really hard. And especially having someone like Elliot who's so good at it and... I just, I really struggled with that and being in front of a camera and in front of a whole team of people saying, oh no, Jess, you said that wrong. Oh, that doesn't make sense. And you're like, whoa, I've just gone from being a really great stylist to shit. I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline the Podcast. These are honest conversations about true self-success with the people we follow and the teachers who help us on our way. This episode is produced in partnership with Estee Lauder and it's a continuation of our Self-Care Sundays mini-series. Over four seasons now, it's been my honour to sit down with some of the brand's inspiring ambassadors and friends to have an honest conversation about self-care, confidence, and success. My next guest is the perfect example of this idea that we need to get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable when it comes to evolving professionally. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Jess Pecoraro is one of Australia's most in-demand celebrity stylists. And during the pandemic, like so many others, She executed a very brilliant pivot, and I'm sorry to use the word pivot. She co-founded a styling subscription platform called Selected, but what she didn't anticipate was how hard it would be to come out from behind the scenes to lead the scene. And also the unique challenge anyone wanting to move into online learning and education faces. How do you create a methodology for all that simply felt and just known. In this episode, Jess shares her journey from magazine intern to styling the likes of Pip Edwards, Delta Goodrum, and Jacinta Campbell. She opens up about choosing a redundancy package over reapplying for her role, how she overcame her fear of public speaking and presenting, why confidentiality is a key contributor to her success, and the role she believes fashion plays in our lives. I hope you adore this honest conversation and that it helps you on your way. Here's Jess and I for this special Self-Care Sundays episode in partnership with Estee Lauder. Talk to us a little bit about your background leading up to what you're doing today and the different roles that you've had before now? Um, so as I mentioned, I, I, I started in editorial. So I finished school. I was, I was, I was young for my age. So I finished at 17, about to turn 18. And I took a gap year. I was like, I'm going overseas. I had, I was enrolled to start uni the year after, and I wanted to study international studies, completely different to what I'm doing now. <laughs> and so took a gap year, went overseas for a few months, came back and was just like, I'm not going to uni. It's not for me. I'm going to keep traveling. My parents were just like, oh no. My dad was like, we're not funding this. So <laughs> you are in at uni. 
and I worked really hard to get there. Like I had to study my ass off to get the UAI. I don't think it's a UAI anymore. Yeah, I have no, no. idea. <laughs> <laughs> to get the UAI that I got to get into Sydney Uni, to get into that course, they were like, you just don't throw it all away. And I was like, no, I want to go into fashion. Um, so I enrolled at, it's called, I think it's called Raffles College. Mm-hmm. So I was going to get a, you know, degree out of it. Um, two months in, I met someone that was working at Cosmo and kind of got an, an internship. They were like, you know, yep, you're more than welcome to come in one day a week, work in the fashion cupboard. And I think the minute I walked into those offices, I was like, this is for me. This is exactly where I have to be. And one day led to two days, led to three days, led to five days, dropped out of college, enrolled at FBI college because I knew I'm like, okay, I can do that at night and do Cosmo during the day. And in the meantime, I started assisting other like freelance stylists and didn't finish FBI. (laughs) Much to my parents, they were like, you are... I just, I think I was six weeks, six months into Cosmo and Nicole Adolf at the time was the fashion director then. I was like, Nicole, please, you have to give me a full-time job, please, please. And she, her response was like, okay, you can be like wardrobe coordinator. We've got no money. I think they paid me like $200 a week, if that. And my response to her was like, yes, but will I be on the masthead? That's all I want. I want to be on the masthead. <laughs> and she was like, yes, great. That's the easiest negotiation we've ever had. <laughs> like, so that was, that's kind of the, the start of Mag World. And from there, then I moved to Jolly and kind of moved around Um, and it was ACP, then it turned into Bauer and then MAG started to merge. So at that time we were all like reapplying for our jobs. It was kind of intense and how old was I? I think I was like 24 and I was made redundant of my role and I had the option to go for a completely different role or take my redundancy and leave, and I left. Mm. Really weird. Like I remember my last day, my mum was actually crying that night. She's like, Jess, are you sure you did the right thing? This is exactly what you wanted to do. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Like if I'll figure it out. Like it's fine. Mm. Um, and I had no clients. I had no idea. I had never really freelanced, like when you're in a magazine, especially at a junior level, you you work. You don't have time to have other clients. <laughs> like, um, and I had built relationships, but still it was very like junior. So I think going from that to freelance, while still I think everyone looked at me as a junior stylist, Mm. even though in my mind I'm like, oh, I could do that job so easily. I know I can do it, but you don't get that opportunity. It's not, mm-hmm. that's just not how it works. It's like, well, why are we going to hire you when we've got a stylist that's freelance that's been doing this for 20 years? Mm. Well, can we talk about that? Because, you know, part of this special Self-Care Sundays series is about confidence and how do we cultivate the confidence to go out and, you know, realise our potential and walk into those rooms, you know, that otherwise tell us we shouldn't be there or we're not ready. Where did that inner sense of knowing come from? Like you're 24 years old. At that time, everyone is still very attached to the titles and being inside that those four walls of that business. But you're going, actually, no, I'm going to take this money and run. Yeah, and it wasn't a lot. No. <laughs> I think if I looked at it now, I'd be like, what an idiot, Just They definitely did not give you everything that you, you were owed. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think being young and naive, I think it's that. Like I look at it now and I'm like, I wouldn't have done that now. Mm-hmm. Now I probably would have been 
scared and would have just kind of stuck it out and applied for another role and just kind of made, like, I just would have dealt with it when, I don't know, I was just young Mm. and, yeah, I was like, okay, I live at home, like, I'll figure it out. And I knew that I could always assist people, but the only thing with that is then you get pigeonholed into being the assistant. And I thought I'm like, I need to break away from that and start doing my own thing. And one of my first clients, I was thinking about this the other day, they're still my client, the Australian Turf Club. I had no idea what I was doing. I had never dressed anyone for the races. And back then they had over 20 ambassadors. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. No idea. No, no, I didn't know what the rules were. I didn't know anything. Um, A lot of the managers as well, like these celebrity managers, had no idea who I was. So they'd dull into the client and me because they didn't want me having their client's number because I could have been some psychotic (laughs) girl that would have stalked them. (laughs) And I'd kind of drive around in my, like, little car from fitting to fitting with no assistant, no couriers, nothing. I made no money. But I kind of think that was the start of, like, I got into this rhythm and I'm like, oh, wow, yep, there is, there are opportunities out there for me and that's kind of how it started and I was very much a yes person. So a random brand would reach out and say, hey, can you do this lookbook? We've got the smallest budget. Yeah, done. And and I think that's kind of how I started. And I think also financially I lived at home, so mm. that helped. I, I remember I used to assist with other girls that, you know, couldn't do that. They were like, I have to pay rent. I, I've got all these expenses so I can't afford to be on, you know, a job where I'm not getting paid enough. Like I need, I need to get another job. So mm. for me it was kind of I was so fortunate that I had that. And, but I also feel like I didn't rely on that. Mm. Like I've, you know, had a great life but it was never like, oh, it's fine, my dad will just buy me that. Like never once did I ask for anything besides obviously I lived at home and like all of that, but I was never one to say, hey, can you give me that so I look good for that, you know, job interview or that event. Like Mm. it was never about that. And I knew that I had to still do something for myself. Mm -hmm. What's your approach now? I mean, with all of that in mind, you've, you know, acknowledged the privilege what is your approach now as you kind of interact with juniors coming through about who you choose to shine your light on? Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like we can live in these kind of echo chambers where it's so-and-so's daughter or son who knows so-and-so wants to get into styling and then all of a sudden you've got this no, sidekick that, no. you know, versus the people who might come from out west and you know, those lower socioeconomic areas who want to get a foot in the door in fashion, do you feel some sense of responsibility to kind of bring through the right right. type of people? Yeah, I agree. And I feel like I always say this, I'm like, you have to be nice to everyone. Like no matter who they are, where they're from, I'm like, that in turn could one day be your boss. (laughs) It's happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. You're like, you just don't know. And I'm like, you just... You can't look at that at all. Like, and I feel like also being creative, I'm like, that's the whole fun of it. You want these people that are all so different. And and it's funny, I've had both. I've had assistants that come from these really privileged lives and I've been fortunate that they have all worked really, really hard. And And I think kind of similar to me, they were never like, they didn't care about it. They never, you would never know what school they went to, where they lived, any of that. And then I've had assistants that, you know, come, have had to travel like two hours away and equally as great. I think it's just picking the right, mm. the right ones. And yeah, I'm like, it sh- definitely shouldn't be about that. And I'm like, and I hate recommendations sometimes. <laughs> well, you feel a bit boxed in <laughs> as well, where you're like. Pressure. 
if you actually know they were really, really not right sorry. for the how do you say that, you know? You're like, sorry, I'm at capacity. <laughs> exactly. Just myself. <laughs> Let's talk about um, confidence through the lens of being that kind of junior trying to get a foot in the door with someone like you now. Oh, so the I'm tables have turned. So easy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what would be your advice to? Is this like a cold email out of the blue? Is this an Instagram DM? Mm-hmm. What should they say to oh, kind of get your a, attention? I get them a lot. And sometimes I feel bad. I'm like, I wish I had a big enough team that I, I'm like, I'd love to have this huge team where I can have all of you. But I'm like, the reality is it's not like that here. Mm. And, and also for me, I'm such a, I enjoy what I do. So I actually want to physically do it. Like I don't want to have an assistant go to showrooms and pull and go to fittings. I'm like, no, I I want to do it. So if I have someone with me, it's they are helping me, but they're not, you know, I don't, I want to do. Doing the doing. Yeah. And, and of course, like, you know, I have Tori now and she's been with me for a while and you also have to give them more responsibility otherwise they kind of get over and they need to learn and they need to grow and then go off on their own. Mm. Um, so there is that balance of, okay, well, can you prep this job and I'll prep that job? And and I'll, I know, like, there's certain clients that I will only prep and it's that it's just easier. I know exactly what they want. I can do it mm. super fast and it's done. But then there's other jobs and I'm like, oh, no, you can do it. It's fine. I trust yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, and this is it. It's about trust. Yeah. You know, mm. no, it's good because I just feel like people might listen to this and be like, mm, yeah, like DM her. Email me. I get them a lot. I get a lot of emails, a lot of DMs. And yeah, I think it's that. It's like, oh, there's not enough. I don't need a huge team right now. Mm. But maybe one day. So let's talk about um, selected. So you, um, 24, you took a redundancy, you went out on your own, you worked your ass off and it makes a lot of sense now that it sort of when you had your baby four or five years later, you'd work so hard to get where you were. I understand that need to continue (laughs) the drive. Um, But you've also co-founded a business that um, I think is quite courageous to start a fashion subscription model so. In such a turbulent <laughs> climate. And so let's talk a little bit about the confidence to, is there any, mm. to start something like that? And where did this idea come from? Like, what is the why and who are you serving? I think Selected came out of COVID. Um, three weeks into like our lockdown, I was like, what am I actually going to do? What if the world doesn't go back to what it was and I actually don't have a job and and I kept getting all these dms and emails about hey where should I get this what should I do for this do you recommend these jeans or those jeans and I was just like what how do I kind of create somewhere for all these women to go to and so I spoke to Elliot and I was like hey why don't we start this kind of online styling tutorial it was very basic. Like the idea was like, okay, we'll just have videos, people log on and they can kind of learn what we do and it's kind of giving that celebrity experience to to everyone. And so we just kind of started it and Elliot's someone that's very much like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's done, let's do it. Next minute he was in Sydney and we were like writing notes and trying to figure out what this business is going to be. And it's definitely evolved and changed now, Um, but it's still changing and it's still one of those things. I'm like, as you said, we started in COVID. It's like we've been in lockdown for the majority of the time of this business (laughs) and it's been hard because, you know, all our ideas that, you know, okay, what to wear to dinner, what to wear to this, I'm like, they were no longer ideas. And you kind of can't speak to that when half of the country is in lockdown, they've lost their jobs, they're struggling. They they don't want to listen to you talking about, you know, a Bottega dress or whatever it is. (laughs) Um, So it's been tough, but it's also been good. And I think um, 
I'm quite shy. So it's funny, the first day that we had on set, and Elliot it's, is the complete opposite. Give him a camera, give him a microphone, and he's like, blah, blah, all over it. <laughs> and I'm the polar opposite to that. And I remember our first day on set shooting our, like, our main masterclasses. That night I cried. I was just like, what have I done? I am so bad in front of a camera. I'm so awkward. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. It's like I'm so good at my job, but I can't actually explain what I'm doing because I've never had to. It's kind of like you just do it and it's done. No one's ever asked me, why are you putting those shoes with that dress? And now I'm having to explain that and I found it really, really hard. And especially having someone like Elliot who's so good at it and I just, I really struggled with that and being in front of a camera and in front of a whole team of people saying, oh, no, Jess, you said that wrong. Oh, that doesn't make sense. And you're like, whoa, I've just gone from being a really great stylist to shit. <laughs> and and now I've started a business that I need to be doing this all the time. Mm. And in a way it was kind of like a nice challenge as well because I thought I'm like I can either sit here and just cry or I just have to go for it and know that I'm gonna fuck up Mm -hmm. (laughs) and yeah and it's kind of like that's that's what yeah kind of like I had no option and Mm. um but it's evolutionary this is the thing it's like you could just continue doing private clients and doing that work that just you know, it just comes. You don't have to explain it. You just do. do it. You just move into action. But the more evolutionary thing for you to do, and I found this really challenging myself, is how do I create a methodology for my doing? Because so much of it is felt and so much right. of it is just known no. through experiences. I've been in every different situation. <laughs> yeah. And so I just intimately know. That, that's you know, how it is. The next step, this is what we do. But how do I explain that? And also in a way that actually... Makes um, sense. Make makes sense, but also makes it feel as important and valuable as it is. Because sometimes when I'm trying to like write out how I know that, I'm like, well, that just sounds like a cheesy marketing line. <laughs> it's so true. You know, and like, does everything have to be turned into a methodology as well? Like, but I, I, I really feel you because when I started moving into this online learning world myself, which was like April 2020, so like not, you know, (laughs) long before you, um, I was like, shit, how do I know what I know? Yeah. What do I know? It's true. Do I even know? That's right. And that's the thing. Then you're like, am I actually good at my job? I'm like, maybe I'm not. Maybe I've just been really lucky. Uh, (laughs) Maybe no one's telling me, but they're still paying me. really weird and then you kind of just sit there and you're like why have I done this I've just added more stress to my life like and that was the thing it's like I'm super busy I'm great at what I do now I've just added something that I'm really crap at doing and Mm. I need to make sure it's amazing for for people because it also ruins my reputation (laughs) So I'm like, I could go from being amazing to being completely crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so this is back to the confidence piece yeah. because you explore those ideas and execute from a place of confidence because of what you got behind you. But then it's in the execution and the doing that those limiting beliefs start to come up. And I think that can be where we move in the direction of failure versus success because... Yeah. It were our own worst enemies. But, like, how do you feel today about it? Like, it's obviously been a little while and you've had some experience in the business. Yeah. I I definitely feel more comfortable. And it's funny, like, Ash films all of our videos and now, like, I'll get a video done in, like, 20 minutes. So it's definitely now I've got my groove. I know, okay, this is what it is. I And I'm still learning. Like there's certain things I just ramble sometimes. She's like, stop talking. <laughs> um, so kind of knowing that and it's just learning, but it's definitely now having that confidence and knowing that I'm like, okay, yep, I can do this. And it's also your mood. Like some days I'm in a really bad mood because I've had 
other stuff happen and I know it's going to be a really long, hard filming day. So mm. I think it's changing that mindset as well. It's like, okay, you've had a really shit email that's come through, leave it. Otherwise it's going to screw your whole day up. <laughs> um, mm. And, yeah, and I'm like, I've had media training and I had like a, a little like stint of media training which definitely helped. Um, but still I'm like... I've got so much more to learn. Can I ask with the media training, I don't know if you remember like specifically, but like what were the main takeaways from the media training? Because I feel like people might be interested to know. (laughs) Um, I did. I actually did it because EJ and I were about to speak for IMG Fashion Week. They wanted us as like a panellist for an hour on on set, um, sorry, on a on a stage, and I freaked out. I was just like, oh, no, I don't think I can do this, like in front of a crowd chatting for an hour with Elliot, who loves to talk. <laughs> um, and my main thing, I wanted to do it because I didn't want to sound like an idiot or like I didn't want to just stand there and not speak because I am, I'm super shy, so I didn't want to sound like, oh, she just sat there and didn't have anything to say and Elliot kind of took charge. Um, mm. So for me it was like that was my my main thing I wanted to learn, like how do I kind of say what I want to, quite snappy, and, mm. you know, I don't have to over-talk and I don't have to sound like, you know, I'm the boss, but how do we have that balance? And it's funny, the first thing he said to me was he, like, he started watching a few of our videos with Elliot and I and he's like, okay, he's very dominating, EJ, so you guys have to plan ahead and make sure that you know what questions are being answered by who. And already kind of knowing that I'm like, I went in with like, like my mindset was like, I knew exactly what questions I had to answer. And I knew that if I wasn't speaking for two questions, I had the next two. So I didn't feel that anxious feeling of like, I haven't said anything. Mm. I need to, I need to say something. Otherwise people are going to think I'm like, I'm mute. I've got nothing to say. It's not my business. It's really interesting what the coach had said because with panels, I often find if you can speak less but be more potent when you do speak, you leave that lasting impression on people. I find it's the people who keep talking that you're like, now I don't really know if there's any purpose in what you're saying, but if you kind of have that wait to respond mentality but be very articulate when you do respond. And sometimes I think it pays to say things that are a little bit disruptive just to kind of get the audience going a little bit because otherwise it just becomes this very PC, like straight answer, like no one's really saying anything and I'm a big fan of saying something. I was curious to learn Jess's take on how she sees fashion change a client's perception of themselves. Working in fashion is often seen as, look, perhaps one-dimensional, and there's no ignoring the fact that it's problematic when you think deeply about its impact on our planet. But we also can't ignore the positive impact it has on our confidence. For so many of us, what we wear is an expression of who we are and how we want to be seen in the world. Actually, I think it's quite important and I feel like I see it so often when you go into, when you style a new client and they just, you can sense when they're comfortable and when they put on an outfit that makes them feel amazing and you can sense when it's the opposite. Like I know straight away when one of my clients doesn't like an outfit and it could be the most amazing, you know, designer outfit, but if the minute they put it on, I'm like, you hate it. I can, I can see it. And it's, and it's funny how it does that. And, you know, like even like during COVID, it's like, I remember like a few days where I'm like, okay, I'm actually going to put jeans on today and, and feel slightly a bit more dressed up than a tracksuit, just how your mood just changes. And, and I think it's that. And I think, and I'm also like a big believer in, it doesn't like, you don't have to wear a trend like uh, trends are not for everyone. You have to wear something that's that's you and you have to feel comfortable in it. There's no point in wearing, you know, the latest trend if you feel 
shit in it because you're going to look shit in it and no one's going to care that you're in that new Bottega dress. You can wear that Zara little mini that you look great in and you feel great in. Mm. That's such good advice. So I I need to have a drink of water. Hold on. My morning voice just doesn't cut the mustard. <laughs> Honestly, I have such a deep voice already that it just takes a few hours to get going. I love so it. our it's nine o'clock start. Husky it's voice. Like... It's good. <laughs> <clears throat> um, one of the questions I love asking within this um, self care Sundays mini series is, "What is your first or earliest memory of Estee Lauder?" Because I feel like it was a brand that many of our mums used, and they had on their kind of vanities. But do you yeah. have a distinct memory? And maybe it's it's far later in your life, but when you first kind of came into contact with the brand and what did you use? Um, it's funny. I turned 30 and I had a drawer full of like beauty products, as many of us do. And I just was like, I can't do this. I actually don't know what I'm using. I have zero idea what what goes where and how and what it's actually doing. And I was really paranoid. I'm like, okay, now I'm 30. I need to get my shit together. Like I need to start taking care of my skin. And I also don't want a drawer full of crap. Um, And Kirsten King actually introduced me to A&R. She kept talking about it and I was like, okay, I need to try it. And that was kind of the start for me. So I started with that. Um, and just threw everything out. I was like, okay, I'm going to really like declutter, um, have a facial and figure out exactly what what I need. And now I have like three products in the morning, mm. two at night. That's mm. it. And whenever someone emails me for, hey, can we send you this? I'm like, no, thank you. It's the same as me. It sounds so rude, but I'm like, I, know. I, I don't need it. I'm like, it's and, just... And let's acknowledge our privilege again, the fact that yes, we even get offered this of stuff. Course. But I've found that, honestly, and I've tried to be really open about this on Instagram, I use the same things every yeah. day. I've been using them for about three years as recommended by my facialist. I'm boring. It doesn't yeah, change. And like people me. are like, tell us about your skincare. It's like, I did a post on it two years ago. It's still the same. Because <laughs> it works. And I think exactly. that that isn't kind of an interesting thing in itself working in this influencer space for lack of a better description as you start to grow an audience you get sent these amazing things and you think fuck I wish I could use that and but I can't because I know what will happen to my skin if I do (laughs) yep and I'm also and it's weird like some some of my girlfriends are like oh Jess you're so weird like brands will will email you and say hey would you do this for x amount and I'm like no, because I don't use it and, I, and I'll have anxiety over it because that's just the person I am. And they're like, what's wrong with you? All you have to do is take a photo. And I'm like, it's not about that. The photo is going to end up crap. They're going to make me do it a thousand times. I'm going to hate it and then I'm just going to feel anxious about it and want it off my greed or off my story and it just doesn't feel authentic. And to mm-hmm. me, I'm like, it's just not worth it. No, but, if I'm not using it, I yeah. cannot no. talk about it. Yeah. And I also see people who I know don't use particular things <laughs> that took those jobs. And I am constantly, and I mean this really sincerely, working on moving out of judgment because like they just need to play out. I talk about this as like yeah. the storyline of their own life. It's not for me to judge, but I'm like, I can't do that. And so does that mean you say no to a lot of sometimes quite lucrative opportunities, especially when they're brands that are like, it's just one post and we'll pay you this much. It's like, I'm sorry, this just comes down to like integrity. But um, but I wanted to share with you today, I'm wearing the new sheer, the double wear sheer. It's so good. It's so good. But I mixed Mm -hmm. the, because I was always mixing the A&R with the normal double wear. Yeah, that's what I did. So this morning I thought, ooh, I'm recording. I'm going to (laughs) like give it a go. And so this is the sheer with a a little bit of A&R. And I feel like it just gives out a little bit of extra dewiness. Yeah. Yeah, Do you feel like I look Yeah, it's so nice. I know. I love this year, actually. And I feel like it's a perfect summer 
summer foundation. It's like, and none of us are really getting done anymore. I think no. like lockdown made us realize that <clears throat> I think we saw ourselves in our reality and our vulnerability a bit more. And I don't know about you, but I kind of went, this ain't that bad. Like, oh, I don't I need to full get up every day. <laughs> and I, I'm usually doing my makeup in the car anyway half the time. <laughs> You're right. I'm like, squeeze, squeeze. <laughs> my car is like permanently marked inside. So he was like, how do you have a car that is filthy for a woman? I'm like, because I live in this car. <laughs> My makeup stains, it's bad. And yeah, I feel like it's just that. And like I think also with double wear, I think for me it was I don't wear a lot of makeup and kind of knowing that I'm like I can put it on in the morning and like by four o'clock I'm like, oh, I still look decent. <laughs> Done. Yeah. The worst thing is when you get home, you're like, oh my God, is this what I've been looking like all day? <laughs> no one told me. <laughs> Estee Lauder has supported me and these honest conversations for four seasons now. And my special guests and I, we haven't been shy about sharing our love for the brand's cult serum, Advanced Night Repair, or its number one selling foundation, Double Wear. If you're keen to see what all the fuss is about, please use the code OFFLINE to enjoy 15% off any product available on estelauder.com.au. T's and C's apply, which you can read in this episode's show notes. Um, we're going to wrap up soon because I've already taken up nearly no, an hour of so your time, funny. but I want to ask you a few more questions. As a um, as a stylist, a personal stylist and a celebrity stylist, you are in people's homes a lot and so there's a level of vulnerability there for the talent, especially yeah. the more high profile they are the more perception we have about what they're like and then you're in the thick of the realness. (laughs) How do you navigate um, being in such intimate situations, I guess maintaining that professional but also letting them see you too so that they feel comfortable and I guess there's a level of confidentiality as well? Yeah, definitely. I think for me, I don't know, it's just maybe it's even a feeling that they kind of, get and it's funny like whenever I meet these high profile clients they're so open and so comfortable with me from the get-go and maybe it's that maybe it's kind of the I'm I'm very relaxed I'm very super easy and I make it it's not about me it's about them and I make sure that that is that Like, I think for me, it's, they're the talent, they're my clients. So at the end of the day, I'm like, whether they are, you know, this big time celebrity or just, you know, the everyday person, I have, my goal is to make sure that they are, they're happy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I don't know, maybe it's just kind of like, it's a feeling thing that I, I, I don't know, I, they feel, but it's very, yeah, I've never had any awkward encounters. I've never, and and I and I know, like, I've never had to sign like any NDAs or anything. So I think it's wow. comes down to maybe knowing that I'm like I, I'm, and I'm also like I don't want to be your best friend. I'm not mm. here to find out the goss. I'm I'm here to do my job, and that's that and of course like you know you 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 meet these people and you become so close and you become part of like they're part of your family then but it's still very much for me I'm like I have my friends I have really good good friends that are not that are outside of this world um and you know it's obviously it's a bonus if we become friends and we're friendly and all of that but my main thing is like I don't I don't have to be best friends with you Mm. I don't I'm happy that you're welcoming me into your world and you're telling me all these things and you're, you know, you feel like you're part of this team. But for me, it's, it's kind of, it's work. It's It's work. Yeah. And I think you kind of have to remember that as well. I'm like, it's not personal. It's, it's work. Mm. And you kind of have to respect them as well. And I'm like, you know, they have shit days and you're like, well, I have a shit day too. It's. I think that would be really hard as somebody with a profile is 
not being able to not be okay or not be on, like for to show someone that, yeah, you're not exempt from days where you just are a bit angry or a yeah. bit sad or you're a bit frustrated. Sometimes you're just fucking hungry. <laughs> it's you true. know what I mean? <laughs> it's true. And I think that's the thing. People think of them as fake. I'm like, no, they're actual people and they're only people. Like they're just normal, everyday people. Yes, they are famous, but I don't think that I don't look at them as like, oh my God, they're so and so. Like, mm. I don't think I've ever been like that. Like, I think it's maybe think it's that's also, probably part of the reason you're successful. Yeah, is I think part of even yeah. my personality, I'm like, oh, I don't really care. <laughs> like, I'm like, it's as long as you're nice. Like, mm. I think that's that's my main thing. I'm like, be nice and if they kind of allow me to do my thing and I'm always, you know, happy to like, we like most of my clients, we work so close together and you kind of build this, this world together. Um, but I also love, I'm like, just trust me, please trust me. <laughs> and you have to p- fight your battle. You have to pick which battles you're going to fight with them. Yeah. About like what they will and won't wear and yeah, what they will like, and won't do. Okay. This is not the time for it. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of Estee Lauder's Australian ambassadors is, of course, Pip Edwards and someone I've had on the podcast a couple of times who you work really closely with. We all adore Pip and we adore the way that she cracks us open a little bit, you know, and she models that for us. What's it like working with her? Because one thing I can hand on heart say about Pip is she's exactly the same person in any different situation that we're in. There is no... Like she knows who she is. Correct. Um, And it's funny, Pip was someone that I kind of looked up to when I was starting off and the first time I ever met her was she was at General Pants and I was working at Yen Freelance and she had one of my images that I had shot for the magazine as one of her mood boards and that was the first thing she said to me. She was like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with that shoot you just did. I've got it up as my mood board and I died. I was just like oh, my God, I think I'm going to pass out. (laughs) And the first time we ever worked together, it was funny. I think I was pregnant with Harley. She was going to the GQ Awards and styling a stylist because Pip is, she's a stylist. She's a creative director. You know, she's, she knows exactly what she wants. She knows exactly what she doesn't want. And I was like, oh, shit, this is, how am I going to do this? (laughs) Like, how do I style someone that, has such a defined sense of style and knows what she likes. And she was she was and is the easiest person to style. Wow. And I think it just becomes she's just he like she's just has that sense about her that's like, okay, cool. And she obviously gets involved, like, you know, she knows what she likes and doesn't and it's and it's a process and it's a fun one. Like it's yeah, not so it's one, a true collaboration. Yeah. It's one of those she's not one of those clients that's like, no, nah, no, nah, this is what I want to wear. And you're like, Well, you could have just done it yourself. <laughs> it's just and she gives you so much. I think that's mm. the thing with Pip. I'm like, for someone that's been in the industry for so long, you always give so, so much. Like shooting with Pip is like incredible. You arrive for, you know, we're only going to do two shots next minute. It's an eight-hour shoot because she's like, no, 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 we'll do more, we'll do more, we'll do more. I'm like, Pip, you're so busy. It's fine, it's fine. You know, one thing I I love about Pip and her style is like she wears the clothes. The clothes yes. do not wear that yeah. woman because yeah. like, I do believe she could literally probably wear anything, anything and still look so cool. Exactly. And I love that she'll do black tie, but it's still Pip's black tie. Yes. There's still that element of like. Element of Pip. Pip. Yeah. I'm like, I don't um, know what it is, but it's like no matter what she does, it's always Pip. And only Pip could wear those pieces. Like, I agree. It's, yeah, it's just, it's her. Okay, well, our time together has come to an end, unfortunately. I feel like I could just talk <laughs> history with you for a long time. Um, there is a final question that I ask each of my guests and it's changed. So I know you've listened to other yeah. episodes. It's not that question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's close though. Um, so I said to you the podcast is kind of, I'm re 
refining its why and part of what we're exploring here is conscious success, which I define as true self-success. So what does true self-success look and sound like to you in your life? Oh, wow. This is a tough one. <laughs> um, I don't think it's, a, I think it's, I feel like it's moments that kind of create that success. I don't necessarily think it's one thing. I think it's different moments of your life. And, and also I think the stages of your life that you're in when those moments happen. And I think sometimes something amazing might happen, but you're not in a good place. So you don't, you don't realize. And I, I think it's that. And I feel like it does change. Um, It's funny, like there's, uh, there's like some random quote that says, I don't I can't actually remember. It's like, think of what you have now that you wanted a few Mm. years ago, something along the lines of that, that you kind of, you have it now. And it's the things that you wanted maybe 10 years ago. And I sometimes think of that. I'm like, wow, like a few years ago I wanted this, this and this and I've got that. But, yeah, I'm happy, but. Why do I still have that underlying? Yeah, and I'm like, I guess sometimes that's a great thing because it keeps Mm. you going. And, but it's also hard because you're like, when do you stop? When do you just say. I think this is the lesson for us (laughs) is that we continue to realise that the thing we're searching for exists within us. Yeah, not it, in our achievements exactly. and those external motivators because I'm the same. There's, if, if you had told me when I left my big job what I'd be doing three years later and the shape of that and the opportunities, I'd be like done and dusted. I'm doing it and I'm like, it's not enough. I need That's to do right. more. I'm, I'm not successful. Yeah. I'm, you know? Yeah, and it's weird. And I think it's also been women and mums. And I think for me it's... I'm like, I want Harley to know that it's like my mum does this and my mum can do that and I'm like, I don't want you to ever rely on anyone. Like I want you to do your own thing and like Mm. I don't want you to marry some like rich dude and just live off him. No. (laughs) Like I want you to. We work, lady. Yeah, (laughs) you work your ass off and you want those, you, you do that. And I think it's nice also like as a couple you kind of create that together and I don't know and I find this I like it happens to me a lot that people are like oh what does your husband do and you're like who cares yes. <laughs> like what we have we also do together like <laughs> and it's such a thing I'm like why do people always think it's it's that yeah. you're like we're, we're in it together I have a great job <laughs> especially in this industry and I think more so in fashion than other yeah. parts of media there is absolutely an undercurrent assumption that, well, you must come from money or your husband must do the something that allows, allows you, you yes. to do this. But again, that stems back to what we were willing to do for free. Yeah, that's so true. In, yeah. a, in a, an industry that continues to undervalue and underprice itself. That's so true. Because the opportunity is somehow worth more than the money. Money, yeah. Um, And that's why I always go back to like our responsibility as creators and leaders today. Someone's got to change it. Like we've got to, you know, so those juniors that say, and I had this recently that said, this is my rate. I was like, sheesh, kebabs. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, let's go. (laughs) I'll pay you what you tell me you're worth, but I also expect. To, yeah, for you to perform. (laughs) To you to perform, you know, and so then I leave that with you and then. You know. I know. Oh, gosh. Um, it's been such a pleasure to oh, talk to you. Salas and likewise. I've enjoyed this. Yeah, and to get to know you a bit more, I didn't share with you actually. I um had a quick conversation with Mandy Bardis. Oh, I love Mandy. Oh my gosh. She's just my absolute <laughs> right hilarious. or die. And I just said, I'm interviewing Jess and, you know, tell me a little bit about her so I, you know, can get some footing and um she said you'd be as wonderful oh, as you has, oh, have been. So. No, I love Mandy and Jason. Stephen's a huge fan of Jason. <laughs> Jason's the best. Tony's exactly the same. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to find out more about my personal and professional development opportunities. And if you know someone who would benefit from listening to Offline, please share it with them.